Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. That was an abrupt ending for an awesome song. That was not a typical introduction, a Joel Knox introduction, just in case you were wondering. I'm not going to tell you what the song was or who the author was or when it was recorded or what you know number it hit on the top 10 billboard of whenever it was recorded. <laughs> I knew Anna would get upset. That's one of her favorite songs. Anyways, I just felt like we needed a little bit of music during our offering, so I hope that helped. Also, y'all see I have this little sort of bunker that I've built here for myself. <laughs> this is not my usual thing. I don't usually get up here and speak on a Sunday morning, so I'm a little nervous. Hey, hey, hey. Um, and I decided about midway through preparing for this that, you know, I was thinking, well, I need to prepare like Joel would do it. I and, mean, you know, I need to get up here and do kind of what Joel does. Well, obviously, I am not Joel. So there's no point in me trying to be like Joel. I'll just be like myself and use my own voice. So anyways, that's what you're going to get this morning. So we are continuing our series on engaging risk. And... Something that we've been talking about around here, doing a lot of, and for most of it, I've kind of been back there, so I've only heard the stories as they've come out, but I know Joel's been asking different ones how you have engaged with risk, how you have taken risks in the kingdom um, over the last week or so, and I don't know how many of you have already shared, maybe most of you have, I don't know, Um, but if this last week or couple of weeks um, since Joel's been gone, Uh, If you have had an opportunity at some point to risk in the kingdom, to step out and to do something that you felt God was leading you to do, um, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to continue hearing those stories. I don't know how many of you are encouraged by hearing these stories, but I know I sure am. So I'm kind of hoping, I know one person here, I was hoping maybe... She might share. Yes, yes. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, so Regina has something she's going to share, and of course we'll um, have Shauna interpret for her. Thank you. Would you like me to stand, or how would you? Whichever you prefer. (laughs) Okay. I did make a post. Actually... Yes, I would love for everybody to watch you say it, (laughs) if that's okay. Yes, you come up here too, honey. Okay, is that good? Hi, everyone. Okay. So I made a post on our Vineyard Facebook page. I think it was last week, and I just couldn't wait to share with you all. I went ahead and posted it, but... 
I'd like to share now what's happened. Three weeks ago, Sean and I went to Trinket and Trash Treasures. It's uh, just north of here. And we have a friend that's there, Hillary. She's the one who owns the store. So we were shopping, and she came up to me. And she just started sharing about her parents. She told me that her mom has dementia, and her dad um, has really swollen feet as well. And the doctors have told her that it's possible they'll have to be amputated. And when I heard that, she, she started crying, and I was crying because she was, and it was, it was an emotional moment, and we didn't expect that to happen in our conversation, honestly. I, I felt stuck. I didn't know what to say. And then something just came to me of what we talked about here at church, of risking. And so I went ahead and I said, Sean and I want to pray for your parents. And so we just talked with her and, and asked if she was comfortable, and I asked her her parents' names. She wrote it down on a piece of paper. Here's my paper of it. Her mom's name is Debbie and her dad, uh, Frankie. I hugged her, and I told her, we will be praying for you. And she continued to sob. So we comforted her and, and spent some time. Then we went home, and I put this piece of paper in my new Bible I have here. <laughs> this is the one they gave me when we became members. And I, had, I prayed that night. Three days later, I decided to go to the store again. Hillary was so excited, she came up to me and she started writing, guess what? And she had this long piece of paper of information. And she said the doctor had told her father that her feet, his feet have been healed completely healed, and he's not going to need amputation. And I said, what? I said, she goes, you prayed, right? And she says, your prayers worked. And we embraced and hugged. I just felt so amazed and encouraged, because I have to be honest with you. I, I rarely talk to people, like in public, you know, like, well, I'll pray for you. Sure, I'll be praying for you. I just don't even say that. I keep things to myself. But on that, what's happened with that situation, it's really caused me and Sean to start thinking about, we need to risk, be more assertive to approach people and ask for prayer. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Anybody else? Boy, that's kind of a hard act to follow. <laughs> so Kaylee and I do this thing where we like to make cookies and take them to our neighbors. Mark 12, she loves it. We do it actually regularly now. Um, we pick a different neighbor every time we go. Well, this time we walked like around the corner and down the street a couple blocks and I'm like Kaylee just pick a house like there's a neighbor there's one like they're outside playing like there's kids no mom let's go okay fine which one so we get down to the street and there's houses got a little light on in the living room there's two older people sitting inside and she says that house seriously that's the creepiest house on the block (laughs) for real what no okay let's go 
go up there and we knock on the door. And of course, they see us walking by because you have to walk by the big, big window wide open. Well, come to find out, it was one of my old high school teachers and his wife. And coming from Belleville, all my siblings all had the same teachers as I did. So we got to talking. They invited us in. We sat down and um, at talking about my siblings and everything that's been going on the last 10, 15 years. And they had something similar with one of their children in drugs. And we literally just sat there for 45 minutes just praying over everybody. And Kaylee is just sitting there holding everybody's hands, just praying her little heart out and not necessarily knowing what's happening. But she just looks up at me and she says, Mommy, I love doing this. I love coming to people's houses and blessing them with my sprinkled mountain cookies (laughs) and to get to pray with them. And we walk back and every night she tells me that's Jesus in my heart jumping for joy my little five-year-old, happy to pray for other people that she doesn't know. She doesn't know their story or their background. And this one, we actually knew. Wow. I know. Tracy. Tracy. Is it on? Yes. What I have to say is totally different, but um, I think it was yesterday. It might have been the day before yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Earl and I went to Walmart and we parked on one side, and then in a handicap behind us was somebody parking. And I watched the lady get out of the car, and she looked like she was really in pain. And so I said to her, because we were walking the same together, and I turned to her and I said to you, I said, Are you okay? And yes. And I said, well, you look kind of like you're in pain. I was going to offer to pray for her and see if it was okay, if she would like me to. But I said, are are you in pain? And she goes, I'm okay. Real sharp. And the look on her face just kind of deterred me. But what my point is that we can take the risk and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I walked away from her and, and I just said, Lord, please bless her and whatever's wrong, please heal it. And that's you know, it doesn't always work out, we take the risk. So we need to be prepared for that too. But it was just the look on her face and I think there was more there than that she needed more than just hurting because she just looked very unhappy and just very hateful look on her face. So <laughs> there's more there. But yeah. anyway, I just asked God to bless her and whatever's wrong to please take care of that. So yes. sometimes it just doesn't work the way we hope. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Anybody else before we move on? So engaging risk. Oh, yeah, Georgia, go ahead. Brian's coming up behind you. I'm probably taking a little more liberty than I need to, but this is a request. Um, My family right now has a very serious situation. My daughter is 45 years old. Her dad and I divorced when she was four months old. And so she was saved when she was five. Um, 
I'm just giving you a quick background so you know this prayer because I need all of you to be in agreement with my daughter. Uh, She had a stepmother come into the picture whose intent was to erase her. And her dad had another daughter who has carried that weapon forward. And so she has had to stand with a lot of prayer, a lot of encouragement, a lot of growth, a lot of healing. He has been sick for over 25 years. He was an alcoholic. He had cancer of the throat. 25 years he's been sick. Ten years ago, he started uh, living on a feeding tube, which he's still living on. Four years ago, his throat vocal cords paralyzed. He cannot speak. So he can text. And now he's losing his hearing. So she has been praying for him. And in spite of the difficulty, she has never given up. She's continued to go at times when I want to say, really? But yet I can't make that decision for her. So she went to see him last week. And one of the things we noticed, she prayed with him. She told him she loved him. And then she left and forgot her phone. And when she walked back into the house to get her phone, his girlfriend was laughing and he was going, like pointing to her, mocking her. And she said, Mother, I knew it was the work of the enemy. I just went back over to him and I said, I forgot my phone. I love you. And she hugged him and she walked out. So we need to pray for her because his death is very close and we need to pray for him. What she wants more than anything is to know that he is saved. And at this point, there is not that evidence. He has said a prayer but there is no evidence of a heart change. I am not his judge. I'm not trying to be his judge. But there is just not that peace when you're there. And when you see the continual mocking, the continual rejection, we need to pray. So through his death, his funeral, and the days after that are going to be very difficult. But God is faithful. And I'm asking all of you to stand with her and me for Taylor and for Amanda. Thank you. Anybody else? We can. Sure, we can. I have space for it, but we can do it now. Yeah, if y'all would like. If y'all wouldn't, whoever, you're feeling the Lord leading you. Come surround Georgia as he leads. Absolutely. Tell us in your word that you're not willing that any, any should perish. 
work of all should come to redemption. And that means people who are sweet and kind, and it also means people who are not. People who have resisted, thumbed their nose, as it were, in your face, and yet you continue to love. And amazing, Amanda continues to love. Lord, that's not human. That is you. So we bring this situation again. We prayed before. Amen, amen. This is not in any way an interruption. Because today... We're talking about engaging risk, declaring a kingdom identity. And every single testimony, every single thing that people have shared this morning have been all along the points that I'm going to make this morning. 
it's amazing how God does that. He reinforces those things for us, even ahead of time, prepares us to hear his word. So keep these things in mind. The testimony of amazing healing, the rejection of prayer, the rejection and the mockery even in the face of God wanting to do a work in this man's life. These are all part of what Jesus faced even as he began his ministry. It's the first Sunday of Lent. And if you're like me and you didn't grow up in a liturgical church, um, you know, Lent didn't mean a whole lot. But as we've looked into the meaning of the season, all it is is simply a time for us to prepare our hearts for uh, the Easter season, for the sacrifice that Jesus made to center our eyes, to center our hearts, to center our souls on Jesus and what he's done. And no passage drives this home for me more than Luke chapter 4. And the text that I'm going to be talking about is verses 18 and 19. But if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read the whole chapter because I really think it's important for us to see those parallels between that chapter and what Jesus did and went through and exactly what was talked about this morning. It's it's amazing. Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, if you have your app, please, I would encourage you to follow along. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have it written, I'm sorry. So I want to give you guys time to grab Luke chapter 4. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for indulging me, guys. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted by the devil for 40 days. During those days, he ate nothing, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil, taking him up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this power and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I will. If you then will worship me, all will be yours." And Jesus answered him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you to preserve you. In their hands... They shall hold you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. When the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him until another time. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and his fame went throughout the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues 
being glorified by everyone. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him when he had unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All bore witness to him and wondered at the gracious words which came from his mouth. Then they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, You will surely say to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. He also said, Truly I say to you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truthfully, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were closed for three years and six months, when a great famine was throughout all the land. Yet none of them, to none of them, was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath, a city of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel by the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They rose up, they thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down headlong. But passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. They were all amazed, and they said among themselves, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And his fame went to every place in the surrounding countryside. He went out of the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was taken ill with a high fever and they asked him about her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she rose and served them. Now when the sun was setting... All those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons came out of many crying out, You are the Christ, the Son of God. But he rebuked them and did not permit them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a remote place. And searching for him, the people came to him and tried to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for this is why I was sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So the title of my message, as I said, 
is the kingdom is here. Risk declaring a kingdom identity. In the first section of that chapter, we see Jesus being led out into the wilderness and tempted by Satan. Now let's keep in mind that just prior to that, Jesus had gone out to John the Baptist to be baptized. He had come up from the water, the heavens opened up, the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. God's voice, God himself, declared in front of everybody very publicly, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And full of the spirit, he goes out into the desert. And what does the enemy do? First thing, challenges his identity. If you are the son of God, make some bread out of the stone. Right? Or, you know, why don't you worship me and I'll give you everything that has been given into my power? I mean, you're not really who you say you are. And then again, if you are the son of God, right? So three times the enemy challenges his identity. But it doesn't matter. Jesus answered with the word of God. He knew who he was. He knew his identity. And it didn't matter what the enemy threw at him. He stood firm in who he was. When he makes his way back to, Na- to Nazareth and he does, you know, what he always did when he came into a town, he goes to the synagogue and he reads from the scripture this passage, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm reading it again. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the reactions of the people shift from wonder to wrath to amazement. And they're like these huge arrows in the text kind of pointing to the way things are going to go for Jesus and his ministry, right? But it doesn't faze him. He knows who he is. He's firmly rooted in his identity as the Son of God. He's divinely empowered and sent by God himself. And that is the basis of the mission he's about to embark on. So Jesus knows his mission. He knew exactly who he was, and he knew exactly what he had come to do. First thing, preach the gospel to the poor. The kingdom of God is here, right now, among you. God is with you, Jesus is saying. I'm here to bring you the good news that I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. God has a deep love and compassion for those who are brokenhearted. Scripture tells us in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And in Psalm 147, 3, we read, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Jesus reminds the people that God is near to the hurting and the wounded. He loves you. God loves you, Jesus says. He cares. That's why I'm here. He came to preach deliverance to the captives and set at liberty 
those who are oppressed. He says to those who have been shattered and broken in pieces or who are bound up by sin and darkness, I'm here to release you. I'm here to send you away from this place, from this prison of darkness with a complete pardon, complete and total forgiveness. I am here to make you free. To proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. This meant obviously healing from physical blindness as we would see later. But it also meant spiritual blindness. Jesus said, I'm the light that shines into a dark world and the dark world, the darkness will not overcome it. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim God's favor to the ones who are broken, to the shattered and bound, to the poor, the outcast, the discarded, the lost, wounded, and blind. Jesus said, today, this day, is the day of God's welcoming favor. It's here. Because I am here, you are welcomed. So what does this mean for us? That was great for Jesus. He was the son of God. He knew who he was. He had his identity firmly rooted in the God of the universe whose magnitude is beyond all we can comprehend. What does that mean for me? What about me? As children of God, as heirs together with Christ, because of his death and his resurrection and his life, that's our mission too. That's our mission too. To bring good news to the poor. Good news of what living in the kingdom looks like. Where the poor and the downtrodden, where the crushed and the bruised and the weak, where the prisoners and the captives, where the shattered and the wounded and the blind are wanted, welcomed, and accepted. We saw Jesus at work in healing this man. We saw Jesus at work reaching out to someone who was harassed and tired and grouchy. And even in the face of rejection, Jesus was at work in Tracy to continue to pray for this person. And we see Jesus at work in the face of rejection Amanda continuing to pray for her father, that he would know him, that he would know that love and that acceptance. And every time we do this, every time, whether the risk is huge in asking God to heal something that looks impossible to heal, or if it's just saying, I just want you to know that I'm here to help, I care. I see that you're harassed and and, and cumbered. In the smallest things, as Jesus says, when you give a cup to drink, a cup of water, just a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, 
And what does that mean? Just a small gesture. We're fulfilling this mission. We're fulfilling the mission, the reason that Jesus came to this earth to declare in no uncertain terms that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. God is here with you. I am here with you. Are you a part of the kingdom? If not, Jesus says, come. Are you a part of the kingdom? If so, Jesus says, go. Father, we want to be people of the kingdom. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might know that same certainty in the face of temptation, in the face of rejection, even in the face of acceptance and being begged to do something, that we would know who we are in you and what you have sent us to do. Give us courage, Father, to risk declaring that kingdom identity no matter what, no matter when, no matter where. And that you, Father, would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power and all the praise forever and ever. Amen. And we have a few more minutes. It's about 10 more minutes till 12. And what I want you to do right now is I want, I want us to have a few minutes of silence. But I want you to ask the Lord, just in this room, to show you someone, to speak to you about someone that you can go. And just, even if it's just a word of encouragement, even if it's just a hand saying, I'm, I'm praying for you. Risk. Risk walking in that kingdom identity. It doesn't have to take long. Probably preferable if it doesn't. Just a few minutes. And connect with somebody before you go. Would you stand? I want to bless you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.